Curious Conversations About Sex is brought to you by Curious Creatures, who run a variety of workshops on self-development and sexuality in Australia. My name is Rog. Today, we're listening back to an episode from 2017, where a listener asks for advice on how to become a dom. Uh, For those of you that are not in the uh, kink or BDSM scene, uh, the word dom is short for dominant, uh, which is actually surprisingly hard to define. But you might say that uh, the dominant is the person that's steering or or perhaps controlling the play between two people. Uh, But that's not actually entirely accurate because what happens between two people should be defined by the two of them. Uh, It's not like the dom can just do what they want. Um, But anyway... Let's hand all over to my guests to get into the detail of that. Uh, my first guest is BJ from Eagle Leather, which is a great fetish-oriented uh, retail outlet in Melbourne, and they also sell online, some great gear there. Uh, I've gotten a lot of things from them over the years, and I warmly recommend them. Uh, my second guest is Airy from Blue Velvet Arts, who teach ropes and related skills, uh, also in Melbourne, and uh, links to uh, them both are in the show notes. And so to today's question, which is, how do I learn to be a dom? And I just want to say, uh, particularly with the two of you, Ari and BJ, I'm really delighted to be tackling this question with the two of you, because I know you both have a delightful, personable, quirky kind of a style about the way you dom. So, uh, yeah, I'm not sure if um, one of you would like to start, but yeah, how, how does one learn? How would you recommend someone goes about learning how to dom? Well, this is a subject that is very dear to my heart because when I got into BDSM, I started working at a dungeon as a submissive because I had no experience and so, of course, shouldn't be trusted as a a switch or a dom. And they didn't have a regiment program for training in the arts of BDSM. And so I went through the school of hard knocks. Yeah, wow. You really did. Oh, literally. literally, (laughs) I'm serious. And a lot of the things that happened to me, I look back upon and and some of it's comical and some of it was deeply traumatizing. So it has become so important to me. One of the reasons I'm an educator in BDSM is because I want people to come into BDSM from a much healthier, consent-based, negotiation-based place. Yeah, like I know that some uh, commercial dungeons, I guess, have like a, a apprenticeship programs and things like that for mistresses where maybe a, a mistress will start out just um, doing doubles, I guess, and, and then they, they have little roles or they get to watch watch scenarios. Was this the case? Can, can I ask you? Uh, yeah, can I ask any a question? Is this yeah, okay? Yeah. yeah. So the dungeon that I started out in did not have anything like that. Um, and I didn't stay at that dungeon for very long. I, I was so naive. I just wanted to work in a dungeon, very excited, started working at the first dungeon I found. Tough game. And came to, yeah, I came to realize that it was run by um, someone who was just more profit-minded. He wasn't interested in the physical or mental well-being of any of the girls working there, and it was all girls. It was a dungeon. Um, that with, fine little yeah. spot where capitalism and sex don't always merge well. Right, right. And the dungeon that I moved on to after that um, was so much better. Was really concerned first and foremost with the the mental and physical well being of everyone who worked there. And it was just night and day going from one to the other, and seeing having that contrast in my own personal experience, being in one place where I was just um, an expendable commodity for profit, and then going to another place where I was cherished and and 
looked after and nurtured, uh, that, that was just a really lovely transition. And it just made my experiences at the first dungeon so stark stand out in my mind and realize just how important it is when you're, I mean, there's, this is one of the, at least in America, there's no, you don't have to get a license or a certification to be a dominant. You can just start doing it, whether or not you have any training, yeah. no matter what background you're coming from or what your intentions are. I mean, and, it, better and, and that worse, can be, huh? yeah, better or worse. Exactly. That can be really reckless. That can be amazing yeah. as far as the ability of a person to become a dominant and, and really facilitate healing and deep experiences. But it also gives dominance operating under false bravado about their skill levels, the ability to traumatize people. So, so based on that experience, what would your advice be to someone that's setting out on whether it's a personal or professional path or whatever? What mm -hmm. would your advice be about how to become um, a dom? As many avenues of education as possible. So reading, taking wor workshops. If you have the ability to train with someone, if there's an apprenticeship program with someone that you know is, is respectable, as someone who's like a healthy member of their of their community, um, being able to at least observe them in action, it's wonderful. That's very beneficial. I've had um, I've had the privilege. I have a friend who's um, just a wonderful dominant in LA, and she's allowed me to sit in on some of her sessions, kind of partake in some of them, but just watching, just watching her dynamic and and just the way she approaches it has has been so wonderful. So. Yeah, that the observation of someone in action, in addition to reading, um, really, I think it's important, like any kind of videos that you might watch, knowing the difference between what is fantasy, fiction, pornography, and what is actually mm. educational material. That's a good distinction to make. And it's so, so, it's, it's so important, but so hard to know before you know what you don't know. Yeah. And I mean, it's, the internet is so filled with ideas and people who want to share their ideas. And I think that can be very inspirational, but you really need to have healthy skepticism. Mm. You, uh, like, for example, um, when I teach rope bondage, I tell people you can look online and find a lot of inspiration for rope bondage positions, but you need to keep in mind that the person you're working with might not have the same body dynamics and abilities uh, as the person you're looking at in the photo. So it's really about finding inspiration and education and then adapting them to your skill level, your style and the people that you're working with. Mm. And that takes a lot of common sense mm. in addition to education and familiarity. Well, yeah. Lots of practice. Perfect example of making sure you don't replicate porn into your play scenarios with everything is that we, we sell um, Violet One kits. And for those who don't know what Violet Wand is, it's normally, uh, it's a, it's a globe which admits kind of a, a lighter and it gives a bit of, you have a bit of a gap between the flesh and the globe and you get a bit of an electric, the arc creates a bit of electric spark. So it's a zappy type of toy. And so on some, um, pornography that, that, that you'll watch, they'll actually, they have these specially made globes which you can insert into people. And of course, it has no effect really. It looks good visually because it lights up. But yeah, you but there's need no to gap. It, you need to create yeah. an arc to to create that yeah. bit of a zap. But the problem is that most violet ones on the on the market are oh, the globes are made of glass oh, and they're not of this particular type of material. Oh. So there's people out there trying to replicate what they see yeah. in these films and try to bring it into their play scenarios. Are we talking broken glass? Oh, we're talking about it. Oh, yeah. I want to call orange on this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up. Um, all right. So maybe VJ, uh, what are your more broad thoughts on how how to learn to be a dom? How did you learn to be a dom, and what are your reflections on that? 
So I was pretty young. I, I worked in an, an adult store originally. It was I, I think I've, we've talked about this before where I didn't really fit into the area that I grew up in out in the country. And there was a job in a position that came up in, into an adult store. Um, and I, through there, I started reading some of the literature and there was Venus in Furs was one of the books that, that kind of captivated me there. Um, there was a few other novels that, that I would read and then I started learning a bit more about it and started experimenting about it, fumbled my way through it, of course. Uh, and then, yeah, I started to explore a lot more with it, um, mainly because I mean, I was very open-minded at, at, at a young age, even as a, uh, in my teens, I started having an open relationship and we started swinging and things like that. And I had to feel, well, I felt like I had to up the ante. Mm. You know, like mm. I'm, I'm one of those people mm. that I've mm. always got to up the ante a little bit. You know, mm. it's like, okay, I've experienced that. Now what's next? Mm. And yep. then Sounds I started fun. reading and learning about BDSM and then I saw that there were things that were sexual and non-sexual and I love the whole thing of being an adult and actually being able to play games. Much like mm. when we were children, we could play games and we kind of lose that art. Yeah. Um, and I, I'm someone who ne- I don't want to get old. You know? no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm young at heart and, you know, there's lots of people in my family saying we all, we all keep young for our, for our lives and that's what I want to do and I'm very much a hedonistic mm. person. And so how would you convert that into advice for people just starting out? What do you wish someone had said to you back in your early days? Do exactly, like learn as much as you can from books. When I first started learning there was only, I think there was Screw the Roses, Send Me the Thorns um, and there was SM101. Mm. Um, Screw the Roses, Send Me the Thorns is a great book for anyone who's out there that, that's, that's, that's wanting to learn and wants that. What's well, a book, it's, it's very it's a good read. Uh, and look, there wasn't that much information out there. I was into rope bondage. Uh, that was something that I was really interested in and Japanese rope bondage in particular. But I think there was Maduri had a, a book out around that time. Um, and then other than that, I had to kind of get, um, books that were from Japan and I had to read them backwards because, <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> because I, because I, a lot of people who don't know that, you know, a lot of Japanese books, they start from the back and work their way to the front. So I really didn't, there was, there weren't too many resources out there. So I feel like maybe it would have been good to have more mentors. Um, that would have been really good to, because I was, and I felt like because of my age, in some ways, like I went out to a fetish night, um, in, in Melbourne. Um, and I kind of felt a little bit like I didn't fit in and because, of, because of my age, everyone was a lot older than me. And, mm. um, so yeah, I mentors. wish I had, the, I wish I had better resources. You know, yeah. there was a lot of things that I, you know, I kind of rushed into maybe to yeah. be honest. Yeah. Um, and I right now I could have paced myself a lot better. And, and I don't want to make a sound like, um, uh, old crusty types, um, moaning about how easy the kids have got it these days. But the reality is we are living in much more liberal free times. Yeah, and course. for all of its mess, the internet has incredible information and connecting opportunities. Um, I, I guess I'd recommend to folks, um, uh, munches, um, particularly get, getting into BDSM. A munch is a spot where you go along with a bunch of other people, uh, normally during the day, normally bright lights, normally sober environment, um, and you just ask questions and have a munch on some food, which is, I assume, why they're called munches. And no one's expected to play. You're no, it's, an, it's a non-play environment. Zone. Yeah, and it's a spot where it's okay to be asking basic questions. So stuff like that, little little casual community meetups. There's quite a lot of good community development workers within the kink community running things like that. So, yeah. Well, classes, you know, they, they, they really are. They're... They're so important. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah. You know, and we're, we're so lucky because there's an abundance in Melbourne. Considering the population we've got, yeah. there are so many classes. Particularly in Melbourne. You can just do almost anything, almost any weekend. Yeah. Happy times. <laughs> Um, and I, I would just say, as far as education goes, even though I've been doing this for 17 years now, I still continue to educate myself constantly. Yeah. That's one reason it's so nice to be in Melbourne with all, which of, is, its, which is always, all of its classes. You've got to walk, that occupy that beginner's mind. Mm-hmm. I think we touched upon at one point this, this idea that if you are going to work with a dominant who says that they know everything, that that's a huge warning flag, yeah. that you never get to a point where you know everything that you have to constantly educate yourself. There's always, there's always more to learn, more to learn about yourself and the technology that's out there and the equipment that's available to you, as well as each person that you encounter being a unique individual with their own unique nervous system and their own unique psychology. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. Hey there, listener. I'd like to tell you about one of our workshops called Fun Little Sex Games, which we run online and in person. It's a collection of carefully designed but mostly pretty simple little activities. The workshop is both fun and an important part of your sex education. That'll help you do things like get in touch with your pleasure, find out what you like and don't like, communicate all this to a partner, and get really good with your yeses and your noes. Uh, say hello to better sex and more creative sex. This workshop takes about four hours and it's been done by about 5,000 people. We generally run a version for couples online and a version for singles where we're based, which is in Australia. Now back to the conversations about sex. Um, so my thoughts are... Um for me, so I'm, I identify as about 44 years old these days. And because I'm a bit fastidious, I used to keep a copy of literally everything I downloaded off the internet back in the days of low bandwidth. And the first file I downloaded when I was 18 years old was a how to Shibari file. Um, so my interests in playing around go back a long, long way. However, one of the bits of advice I would have loved to have given myself or, or to have heard was to slightly more identify with and ingratiate myself with the scene because I made a lot of mistakes and a lot of mess ups and a lot of whoopsies again just through lack of guidance and lack of mentors and if I'd been more at one with the scene the community um, that process would have been a lot smoother and a lot easier so yeah the, if you're just making it up yourself you're reinventing the world and there's so many people out there that have been around the block in all sorts of interesting ways so and just to reiterate what, what um, Eddie said before Go careful on the internet. There is, I've read some absolutely crazy stuff. And it, it's funny yeah. in this, this world of yeah. doms and submissives, there's some dominants who really like, you know, they're, they're sometimes just power hungry. Totally. Or they just want. So, sorry, BJ, I've just got to stop you there. Yeah. Surely you're not saying that uh, people are attracted to the power game because they've got power issues. Be- believe it or not. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Outrageous. <laughs> some people actually want to live out this, this, outrageous. this you know, feelings. <laughs> so just because someone's got a whole lot of jargon and half a dungeon worth of equipment, you can't trust that they actually know what they're doing. Good point. Exactly. Yes, exactly. And if you are planning on doing a mentorship with anyone, really good to check up on references how they're perceived in their community yeah um yeah yeah there is a there is a strong ethical uh, not always so ethical but a strong ethical gossip network out there 
Um, the other, uh, the other thought, the other thing I wish I'd been uh, told was, um, so when I say to myself, "Radio Rog, time to step into being a dom." This is back in the day. I would attempt to step into a completely different character or role than myself, without actually doing it as a role play. But I would assume that a dom needs to be a particular way. You know, the classic stereotypical presentation is dark shirt and talking down in a commanding way and having a certain voice and never being off their game and so forth. And it's just impossible. But more importantly, dangerous, um, because it means that I'm starting to, uh, it's too tempting to play outside my skill range and do stuff that I think I've seen off TV or whatever, rather than what I'm actually capable of. So my biggest advice is let's just assume that as you are, you are a perfect dom already and just take baby steps in the direction of being more of the dom that you already are rather than pretending or trying to be someone else. And if you've set up a date with someone where you've overpromised, then, uh, uh, then, then then claw that back, stop that date, correct it and say, yeah, no, actually I'm just sort of starting out and what I sort of need is as much as anything is academic play space. And if I can just maybe issue one instruction that feels like it's in role, then that's going to be my learning target for today. It's funny, sometimes the, the more overconfident dominants are actually the least experienced. Yeah. They're trying to compensate for something that they don't know. Yeah, it's the four stages of learning. Uh, so uh, uh, one of the stages um, is uh, knowing how much you don't know. I think that's the third stage, which yep. is a great dom space to be in. You're yeah, really aware exactly. of how little you know. Yes, you've actually got objectively a lot of skills. And you're not but- trying to latch on to the stereotypes and trying to portray what the stereotypical dominant is. You are your own Yes. Version of a dominant. Yes. Yes. And if you're coming from that place of false bravado, I mean, you're going to, you're going to be found out. Like you just can't carry on that facade without actually being able to back it up. I mean, I, I can pretty much detect that false bravado from across the room and it's not attractive. If you Mm. want to be a confident, attractive dom, it's really being authentically who you are and being honest about your skill level, being honest about your personality type. Like I, I know when I first got into the business, there's definitely that pressure to really look like you're, you're confident and fierce and know what you're doing. And through the years, just evolving into being who I really am, like being playful and mischievous and like really playing up on my intelligence and not, not this fierceness or, you know, this, this sense of superiority or humiliation, like that has been so satisfying for me and the types of scenes that I have, the types of interactions I have with people is so much more genuine and satisfying. Yeah. I think that's actually, and for, for the submissive scene, a, a mistress is actually more genuine, is more of a turn on as well. Like rather yeah. than watching something that's like seeing a script from a movie, you're actually getting a genuine experience. And for a submissive to be able to see their mistress enjoying themselves, um, enjoying doing these cruel things to you, that can be a massive turn on for the person yeah. as well. Oh God, yeah, yeah. This is just good, uh, good sex skills. You, you, the, the person playing with you needs to be able to demonstrate that they're in, genuinely enjoying what they're doing. It makes experience so much happier for you, uh, and, and lets you sink into it so much more. And uh, Ari, I'm just imagining you bouncing into the dungeon in a pterodactyl outfit, <laughs> and just thinking to myself, "Oh my God, I'm screwed." <laughs> yeah. Have, have you ever done a session with a Velociraptor? I have not. But, but I've heard the story. This is a good example of how you don't need to present in a classically typical way, Uh, which is not to be down on the the, the classics and the typicals. There are are loads of fun. But we don't want to be replaced by robots. (laughs) No, no, we don't. (laughs) All right, folks. Well, that's been the question. How do I learn to be a dom? 
Curious Conversations About Sex is brought to you by Curious Creatures. We run workshops on sexuality, self-development and relationships, and we do this online and around the world. You can find out all about us at curiouscreatures.biz. The best way to stay in touch with us and find out about what we're doing is to sign up to our mailing list, uh, which you can do via our contact page. And while you're there, you might want to check out our famous consent cards. This episode was mixed by Aman Dembla. Please remember to share it with anyone you think might like it. Thanks.